Welcome to Behind the Bill, podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. Welcome to the Behind the Build podcast, presented by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm Sam Webster, and our guest today is Michael Weber. You might know him better as Overland Under Budget. He's the guy with the first-gen Tacoma with the amazing camper flatbed that he's built all by himself. He's documented the whole journey on Instagram and YouTube and built an audience of over 200,000 people. And I'm really excited to get to talk to him and pick his brain and get into the mind of another builder. So welcome to the podcast. Oh man, thank you, Sam. Thanks for that intro. I sound, uh, I can't, when you said 200,000, I was like, oh my gosh, that's kind of unreal, kind of crazy. But yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to sit down and chat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's been amazing to watch the growth that you've had on social media. And I think people are really resonating with your build because you've turned a truck that is, you know, iconic into something that, I mean, you've built an iconic vehicle. People know who you are and yeah. you become, it, it's really wild. You mentioned, you know, you're probably had one of the, the most famous first gen Tacomas that exists right now. Don't you think? I've never thought about that in, in those terms, but I feel like I definitely have one of the most recognizable, you know, for better, or for worse. Like it's very recognizable. <laughs> it's a very big construction on the back and it looks, you know, it's very unique. There's not a lot yet out there that um that looked just like that so yeah it, it's it's recognizable for sure yeah how long have you been working on it um let's see i got the truck i picked up the truck in 2019 i think february of 2019 um and basically day one like literally day one i i took the bumper off and replaced it because the bumper was like resting out I got the truck on Craigslist and it was actually just down the street from me, like a couple, excuse me, a couple of streets down and, um, got a great deal on it. At the time I thought I was overpaying a little bit. I think I picked it up. He had it originally for 6,500 and it had 200,000 miles on it. Uh, but original family, you know, four wheel drive TRD package with the e-locker and all that kind of stuff. But I just wasn't actually super, um, up to speed on like, going prices and even really like super knowledgeable about the Tacoma itself. It was just one of the trucks that was like on my list that fit the bill of vehicles that would like work for me. So when I first went and saw it, I was kind of, mm, I don't know, like it's, you know, kind of dirty inside and he hadn't cleaned it out yet. And, and I was like, yeah, let me think about it. And I went home, you know, I skateboarded back home. It was like right down the street. And then the next day he's like, Hey, do you want it? Because I have people calling from Arizona, people calling from Washington. They want to pay like a thousand dollars more just to hold it. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't, I was like, okay, I guess I'll pick it up. You know, I didn't really know too much about them at the time, but since I bought it since then, I think, I mean, the prices have gone up, they've come down a little bit too, but I've seen similar models, similar specs, like close to $20,000 at one point, just like insane wow. prices for yeah, because the double cab just like is hard to find for one. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know if people were actually getting those prices, but people were asking well above 15000 So, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, picked it up in, in 2019. And day one, I got a bumper off Craigslist and uh, swapped it out. 
Nice. <laughs> Did you have yeah. big intentions with it when you started or it just kind of snowballed into what you've done so far? Yeah, I didn't have nearly as big intentions. I, I knew that I wanted to do like some aesthetic changes and just kind of um, make it, pers- you know, personalize it and kind of change it to the way that I was hoping to use it and just kind of aesthetically match that, which I like, like kind of understated. I like um, military utilitarian type of vehicles that, that kind of look like I always used to reference like UN vehicles or work trucks mm-hmm. or vehicles used by the military. And I love that aesthetic because it's usually based on purely functionality. And so nothing's usually on there that's like, oh, this looks cool. Let's put it on because they're not paying for it. If it just looks cool, it's got to be there for like a reason, you know? And so I've always been drawn to like that aesthetic in tractors and vehicles. And so I kind of had that in mind, like, oh, I want to make it look a little simple, make it look a little utilitarian. Um, Steelies were like my, were were like, I was like, I know I want to do black Steelies. I want to do like something semi-aggressive tire, kind of taller, skinnier, just a little bit of a lift and take all the chrome off and maybe put a rack or something on it. That was like my, I'm going to do that. And that's kind of what I did right away. But it obviously, (laughs) once I did that, I was like, okay, well, what's next? (laughs) Yeah, you definitely have the bug where it's, yeah, you look at it, get done with the project, you look at it, drive it for a leash, and you're like, all right, I need something new. We got to keep going. Yeah, something new. And then also just like, I just, I've always been someone who wants to make an improved, like I can't help but try and, but see like where I could improve it. Not as like, oh, I'm just like this great person who's always trying to improve everything, but it's more of like a performance aspect. Like, oh, if it was, you know, if it had this, wouldn't it do better at this? And like, if I could do that, wouldn't it work just a little better for me like this? So like, I can't not see those type of things whether or not they're actual good ideas or not, they just come to mind and I'm like, oh, I want to try that out. And like, I want to, you know, that that's, that's enjoyable for me. So it just kept oh, yeah. morphing to like fit how I was using it. Right. And project is never done. It's just a constant progression and it's cool. Yeah. Like with you've done, you probably didn't, you didn't have the skills that you have now when you first started all the fabrication mm-hmm. stuff and the designs you had, you tell me about that. Did, were, were you a fabricator before you started this? Had you done design work for vehicles or is that kind of a new endeavor? Uh, no, it was, yeah, totally new as far as um, physically doing it, you know, like actually doing it. I've always, you know, since I was a kid, I think if you had asked me when I was like 10 years old or around that age, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'd probably say like, oh, I want to be like a, I, I want to be like a, a vehicle designer or like a, a vehicle engineer, but like a, but not just like, I didn't want to just like draw it or like make it out of clay. I also wanted to like be the one designing like the suspension and like how the parts worked and stuff. And um, so that's always been in my mind. Like, I love that. I love the whole picture, you know, like I love the aesthetic of cars and like in the design, like a very strong aesthetic, um, like uh particular like I like a particular set of opinions aesthetic opinions and then I also just love like the engineering behind it so like I didn't want to do one or the other I wanted to do both and as a kid that just came out as building Legos and stuff so no I'd never actually physically like done any like of what I did on that truck other than you know the other vehicles that I owned like just simple stuff like um you know like changing out the trim and uh changing out the wheels and 
Um, sure. But I'd never done any suspension work. I'd never done any um, like additions to anything like, and I'd never done any metal work at all. Um, my fabrication experience was purely with wood making <laughs> like the table I'm sitting at in the bed frame and coffee table and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. That's where I started too. I, I have always been doing carpentry and, and I love yeah. woodworking and eventually you reach a limit with that stuff. I'm like, I, I want to make this, but it's not strong enough or I need to make a metal yeah. bracket. And you're like, all right, that's a new skill set. That would be super handy to have. And mm. it's, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like I, I'm particular about the aesthetics of things and I want them like the vision that I had in my head. I want to carry it out, even if I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And you just, you, you just move closer to it, kick the can farther down the road and pick up skills here, here and there. And eventually you turn it into something that's like impressive and people are take notice of it, which is really fun. And that I'm sure that wasn't your intention. You just wanted to build a cool car and people just yeah. happen to, you know, to relate to your story and your, your, your positive attitude about it. And, and the way that you share the build process, I was actually mm. watching some of your videos last night and just, it's really, I, I love how you just kind of put the camera there and we can just watch you work. You're not breaking it up into little clips. You're, it's like, you're just working a time lapse of what I'm doing. It makes it feel real. And there's a lot mm. of other creators that I think try and make it super cinematic and you I, I just love the way that you film the content. It's, is there oh, a you. strategy behind that? Or is it just, <laughs> it's just easy to plop a camera down on my tripod and just work and yeah. It's, it's a mixture of both. I'd love to say it was like heavily my strategy and that I was, you know, genius about that. But um, really it was out of necessity because I wanted to share what I was doing because I also, you know, love that part of it. But it was mm -hmm. so in a way irritating to like, just, you know, you get in the garage and you're like in the zone and there's a problem you're working on and you're like, you just get totally in your own head and that's like the best part of it, right? So when you're like, oh, I need to film this and like set up a camera and like, uh, and then move it and then, oh, the camera didn't record, like go, go change the battery. And then like, it's so, it can be so disruptive to like that creative flow, which I just enjoy so much that it just like almost takes the fun out of it. So I was like, how mm -hmm. can I film what I'm doing least disruptive so I can actually get something done so that I can still enjoy it. And like, it, and so that's where I was like, I just need like a GoPro. I can just set, I can just hit the button and I can, but then, you know, on the other side of that, so that's like a big, that's like a main part of like why I filmed it because I also love uh, cinematography and photography. And that's kind of like my professional background too. Okay. So like, I would love to do like cinematic shots and stuff, but I'm just like, Oh, I can't allow myself to like do that because it just takes, you know, one, you need more than one person to be able to do camera moves and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, one part was just what's the simplest way I can do this and actually make progress in the garage and, and capture it. And then second, um, it was out of wanting to share like content that actually might be useful to somebody else because sometimes I'll tune into like a build, like a really complex build or something and like be like amazed at it. But, and I'm sure it's out of necessity from, you know, how much they accomplish, but some episodes they accomplish like a huge amount of work, but it's all cut up into like little, like if it's a time-lapse, it's just one piece and it's like really quick. And then it's like, it's very pleasing to watch and fun to watch, but yeah. it's very hard to glean any um, like knowledge from it. And a lot of times I'm watching those things. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to learn, like, how did he do that? Oh, he used like 
this tool. Oh, like, oh, and he did like, that's a neat way to do that. And so, and then also like, I've, I think I've said this in my videos too. It's like, Hey, you know, sorry, I'm leaving the, the clips of me grinding these corners, like full length, just cause I want you to like, understand the process of it. Like it takes a long time. Like the welding is the easy fun part, the cutting, the, the preparing of the parts, the like mating up of the edges. That's the part that's really hard. That's the part that like you should be fastidious about, like making sure your parts are fit perfectly and stuff before you weld it. Um, yep. So I, there's part of that too, where it's like, I try and capture it in a way where people can understand like the process. I don't know if I do that super well. And sometimes I cut it because I'm just like, this is too boring. But that's kind of my mindset when I try and film a project is film it in a way where people can try and learn something, focus a little bit more on the, just trying to create something that is uh, like valuable in that sense. Right. And I think you do a great job on that. And I love it. I, mean, Thanks. I think the people that are watching your videos are there to learn how you're doing it. And I'm sure you go through a lot of your comments and your DMs. It's people asking you, how did you do that? And yeah. I, I, I get that a lot <laughs> with my projects. And uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Like you, you become a mentor in a way of other people that are doing these things that want to start uh, learning how to fabricate. And um, it's, it's amazing that your first big fabrication process is something that's so beautiful and so functional. And <laughs> wait till you see it closer. It's, uh, <laughs> and the, the, I mean, is, do you feel like you had a lot of the, the skills, I mean, the skill set to learn things quickly. Is that something that you've had throughout your life and you've always kind of had a passion to, to learn new things? Or is that, that kind of came from this, your job bill? No, I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't compliment myself saying that I'm like, I've always been a fast learner or anything, but I've always been a um, inquisitive person and a, a like, willing to learn and wanting to learn, you know, like, and I think if I had like one skill that helped me with all that stuff, it was maybe the kind of the attitude towards learning. Like I'm, I'm very much like, oh, I don't know how to do that, but I can, you know, like I, 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 I if someone else can do it, I could do it. Like, let me give it a try. Like, and kind of keeping an open mind to learning new skills and not getting caught up on the fact that like, Oh, I'm, I'm here at this build process and now I need to weld. Oh, I don't know how to weld. So end of project. It's more like, Oh, okay. I need to weld. Okay. We'll just need to get a welder and learn how to weld. And, and then, okay, what's the next thing? Like, Oh, I've never used this tool. Like, okay, well let's, you know, get that tool and we'll learn how to use it. And then we're moving on or something. Um, so I think that's why that's just kind of part of, um, my approach to, to things in, in life. I try and keep like an open mind to learning new things. And, and I, I love learning new things. Like I, I get, once I get into a subject, like the, you know, building the truck, it's, I just like deep dive, like I'm on, <laughs> on forums at the middle of the night, like reading about wire speed and, and or whatever, you know, like sure. it's whatever mini subject I get into, it's really enjoyable for me to kind of deep dive into it. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's, that's helped me with it. I just have like, I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, I, I resonate with that. I, I just love corn and I hate waiting on other people. And so if, 
if I can accomplish the thing, I'll just go learn how to do it rather than paying yeah. someone else to do it or you know, bring it to a shop and having it sit there for you know a month and get the part welded or, or it's like, let's figure it out. And then, yeah. then you have that skill set that carries through everything else that you're doing and yeah. expedites things. So it's like, it, it feels really slow when you're in it, I think for me. But once you've accumulated all of those skills, it kind of starts to speed up the process and you can really, yeah. really accomplish things a lot more quickly. And what, what was the most challenging part of building your truck? Um, the ch most challenging part wasn't, wasn't actually anything physical, like having to do with the physical building of it. It was the translating like the design I had in my head into um, actual measurements and and seeing like how that translated onto the truck. Cause like I knew, okay, I know what I want it to look like in my mind. And then I did some Photoshop, like some simple Photoshop, uh, like shapes, you know, onto the truck to get like, like I took a picture of the truck completely, uh, from the side, you know, profile of it. And then I like drew up like, okay, I want to, you know, this looks way too long. This looks too short. Like this looks way too high. Right. Like this is, so then I was like, okay, that looks about right. Like aesthetically, like everything looks like, you know, it's not too big, not too small. And then I literally was like, okay, well, if that's the height of the lights off the top of my roof, and this is the height that I drew, like, what's that measurement? Like that went outside and like, okay, well, it's around like 10 inches or something. Okay, put that down. So I could get like a guide, you know? Mm. So that was probably the most difficult part because I'm standing in the back of the truck you know, the truck bed is completely removed. You just have two frame rails coming off, right? And you got your tires and you're like, okay, well, how big do I make my fenders? Like, how high do I set my flatbed? Like, how wide do I make it so it doesn't look too narrow, so it doesn't look too fat? Like, and then how do all of those dimensions affect everything else I want to go into it? I want to have sliding storage underneath. Like, well, how do I, you know, how wide can that be? And how tall is it if I make it? an inch too narrow, then I can't actually use it. Like, will a bottle of propane not be able to stand up in there and just, or, you know, you make a slide out yeah. like storage thing and you make it too low. It's like, well, what are you going to put in there? Like crackers, <laughs> like a box of anything or a soda can won't even fit in there or something. So the hardest part was, was trying to make all those decisions at once, basically, and trying to make those decisions to where I didn't make a major decision that just screwed up everything else so i would easily the hardest part is just like translating how i want it to look to like physical like a physical thing and i used masking tape i used cardboard i used uh like i said photoshop i wish i used i, I haven't spent the time to learn cad yet but i really want to because mm -hmm. yeah. that would just i'm i'm dabbling in it and it's super yeah. helpful but there's something to be said for masking tape and cardboard and yeah. string lines and just you know, actually seeing it in person and seeing the dimensions and getting a feel for it. And it's so much, it's worth the time to stare at it for a while and just see how it feels. Cause I, I tend to get excited about a design element and yeah. then I get, get beyond it. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have thought about that a little bit harder and change this, change the dimension a little bit, a little bit wider, a little bit taller. And it's, that's hard to do in CAD for me. It's hard for me yeah. to, to be able to actually see it in person. You know, it, yeah. it, I don't know it's, it's hard to translate from real life to the 3D image, however, computer. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that thing. Have you ever heard anyone be like, oh, but man, this, you know, like that thing actually looks really good in person. Like it looks totally different in person. You know, like picture of a new car that just released. You're like, I don't like that. You're like, oh, but you should see it in person. Like the presence of it in person is like way better. I feel like that was it with the new Defender. I was like, I don't like the new Defender at all. It looks terrible. And then I saw one in person. I was like, oh, that actually looks really good. Um, And especially with anything that I feel like you're interacting with, you know, it's super hard. Like design is just design. And you're like, that looks pleasing. But then you go and sit at your table and you're like, oh, my legs hit the the bottom of the table when I scoot in. Like I didn't think about that. Yeah. Or something like that, you know. So having a physical model, uh, having a physical model is huge. Yeah. And so the Photoshop was the language that you designed it because you have a background in photography, you mentioned, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just easy for me to Yeah. Go ahead. I'll have to send you I'll have to send no, I'll have to send you a couple of the screenshots of like the original original um like mock-ups i literally just did like very simple a picture i'd already taken in my truck and then did just line line drawings with the pen tool to create like a shape and then fill them in with paint you know just to like get the very initial thing nice so what what did you do with photography and cinematography um so i started out doing photography when i was in my like late teenage years and just got a camera and was just taking pictures around and uh, my grandfather saw some of the pictures and video and stuff and was like, Hey, you know, look, I want to get you a real camera. I think you're like, you know, got like a little bit of a talent here. And that was an awesome opportunity. He worked, um, he worked in PR for Northrop Grumman. So he was like the vice president of PR public relations and stuff for Northrop Grumman, which makes like the B2 bomber. If anyone isn't familiar with that name, but big aerospace stuff. So, but anyways, he dealt with a lot of advertising stuff and ads and making promotion promotional stuff so he kind of has an eye for that and like had a background in that so he kind of saw something in me that was like oh you know i think you anyways he got me a camera that's how i started and did portraits i did weddings and later moved on to doing um some like interior and exterior photography for hotels and and architecture which is kind of like not really my passion. Yeah, but it's just like another job that fell in. And that's kind of how it is with, sometimes I feel like with creative skills, like a lot of times you can get a job, you can get really unique jobs. They just aren't necessarily always like your passion job, but they're the ones that pays the bill. So a lot of times people go down that road and that's kind of what happened with me. And I ended up doing um, hotel photography for about, I did it for about, five years um three years like really consistently and like a total of like six years the last couple of years were like slower as we started having kids but it was all travel work so like i would fly to a hotel in a different state photograph the interior and the exterior and come back so tons of photoshop tons of like um like funny photoshop you know like removing stuff cleaning up images trans you know fixing uh distortion and all that color correction kind of stuff cool well, your the visual, I mean, especially your photography of your shark, it really shows that you have a background in it because it, oh, the stuff is exceptional. The, uh, oh, the intro to your, the King of the Hammers video that you posted hmm. with the drone shots, it just felt so yeah. cinematic and big and uh, I don't know. I just loved it. I thought it was really cool. Thank you. Yeah. The cinematic part, you know, that's like the emotional part. I feel like with photography and like hotel interiors and exteriors have zero of that, <laughs> but that's kind of like where my passion lays. Like I love um, 
portrait photography. And it's the same thing with like car design or any automotive design or it's like, I get like a feeling from like, I'll have a picture, a mental image, you know, or I'll see a picture of like a car and you get like a feeling from it, you know, like, like the Porsche behind the Porsche, like outline behind you, you know, like if you saw that Porsche like on a rainy, like street with like street lamps and like low light and rain coming down and like, you can almost hear the music. You can like, it's like this whole thing captured in one image, you know? So like, I have that same sense when I see like, uh, when I see car design or when I have something in my mind or same thing with photography or cinematography, like I'm just trying to, I've got like this feeling in my mind and I want to like try and convey it with either video or photo or, or building something. Yeah. It's like a dick. I love it. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yeah. That's I, I have so many photos of my projects and if the photo isn't beautiful, I'm like, I just don't want to post it. Like if it's not really cool, I just think I don't want to like, show people because it doesn't evoke that that feeling like the style that i really like is minimalistic and just really like crushed blacks and yeah i if i can't if and lines that are really that draw the eye towards specific things and i'll go through my photos and be like there's one out of 20 that i'm actually happy with yeah it's it's hard to get that stuff when you're in a shop i mean the lighting is cramped and i mean your early videos, you were working out of a, a carport, right? Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a carport. And then later okay. on, got some plywood and, and walled it in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Made like a there little barn door and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I really fix this. Too much wind, cool. wind and rain coming in. <laughs> yeah. And is, was was the flatbed the first portion of the truck that you built? Or was it the camper? No, it was the flatbed. Um, and I, flatbed. I actually, so the... The very first metalworking thing, so kind of to like give people like a little bit of background as far as like how it progressed to building the flatbed, because the flatbed wasn't the very first thing like I ever attempted. It was, I got the truck um, and then started like everything having to do with inside the house, wood was like totally fine. And then pretty much yeah. everything having to do with like the truck was like all metal based. So I was like, okay, we don't know how to weld. I don't have a welder. So it was what I could do with like, by modifying like existing metal things, you know, like, oh, there's someone's roof rack. Um, you know, can I make it fit if I cut it up a little bit without having to re-weld it or that kind of stuff? And very quickly, I was like, I really need a welder to be able to do these projects. So I started trying to save up for a welder and um, I actually ended up winning a welder on an Instagram giveaway from this company, Horny. Yeah. Nice. It was like very small on Instagram, Perfect. a couple and followers yeah yep um it was funny because my wife and i were like really going back and forth about like spending the money to buy a welder because they're not cheap um unfortunately they're not cheap they, there's cheap ones out there but if you're going to do a lot of, if you're going to do big projects it's better to spend a little more and get one that that can do a lot of stuff but regardless i won instagram giveaway got a welder and that was kind of like the open the floodgates to like everything. Cause now I could just do whatever before I was like going to the hardware store looking for parts that like fit the shape I needed. And like, how could I bolt stuff to stuff, you know, but with a mm-hmm. welder, you can attach two pieces of metal boom and like no bracket needed, no support needed. It's like incredible. So I built nice. rock sliders like first week that I got this, the, uh, the welder. That was like the first thing I did. And then I built, um, a roof rack, um, 
and built my own like tube tube bender, like home tube bender. <laughs> I see. Uh, using a old barbell weight for like the radius and like just some scrap sure. metal. Worked cool. really well. I actually ended up making like four, five different roof racks and selling them, which helped me like buy more parts and buy more tools. Yeah. And then I made a t- I made a tire swing out carrier for the rear bumper, so like That's each right. step was kind of like progressing. Yeah, I was kind of progressing with like my comfort level, with my like familiarity with like the materials and material thickness, and like because you know like if if you talk to somebody who's like familiar with building uh, with wood, if you were like you know, should we use a two by four for this? They'd be like, mm, yeah, two by four is strong enough. It's just like, you, cause you have like that reference, right? You know, like you wouldn't use a half, a one by one to like make a, a ladder. Like you're going to break that. You just know that. So right. building that kind of up as I went, like with the roof rack, with the sliders, with the bumper, like kind of figuring out stuff. Um, gotcha. So I did like a, a pretty good amount of projects. I did um, 2019 till and. When did I start? I think I started the flatbed in the beginning of 21, 2021, like February, 2021. Um, cool. I get the years mixed a little bit mixed up. So <laughs> I think that's, I think that's right. I, I think I had the truck for like a year and a half before I, maybe two years before I like took the back of it off. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started watching your, the tire swing out carrier. And before yeah. I was, I was fabricating and remember watching it like, man, this guy is like going for it. Like just figuring it out as he goes. And it was inspiring for me to go out and buy a welder and go figure it out myself. So I, I went to Harbor Freight and bought kind of like their mid tier 110 yeah. volt welder and, and just started messing around with that. But definitely your content was something that inspired me to go and actually do it because I've been playing around with it and thinking, yeah. you know, I. I need to learn how to weld because the things that I want to yeah. do, I can't do. And I also can't afford to pay someone to go and do these things because it's just exorbitantly yeah. expensive to go to a shop and have them custom build things for you. And so I was, yeah, you, you definitely have influence on me and, and that's the so stuff cool. that I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so um, crazy to like hear that and be sitting down like on your podcast, be like, oh yeah, I started because I saw your videos. That's wild. Right. That's it's cool. kind of fun. I, I imagine you get tons of people hitting you up saying, you know, I love, I love your videos. Mm-hmm. I love learning about it. And, and what is, what's the most common sentiment that you get from your followers that interact with you? Um, I mean, the internet is such a funny place, but like, honestly, the majority of everything that I get is really positive. Like I've never been. I, which is awesome. And I don't mean that because yeah. like my stuff is great or anything. I don't know if it's just because I don't really cover anything controversial and I, and I try and stay open-minded and never try and say stuff matter of factly, you know, like this is the best way. Cause I definitely don't know the best way, or I try and just stay like in the lane of like, this is what I'm doing and we'll see if it works. Like, here's my Perfect. thoughts on it type of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. Like, um, everyone's been super positive. Everyone's always, you know, either appreciative of the content that I put out, if it's like useful or, you know, encouraging if it's something I just learned and stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been really, it's been a very, yeah, it's been a very positive um, experience online, which is not normal. I feel like uh, if you were to just take a survey of online people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is fun. What, I mean, I'm curious towards you in this aspect, like what content do you make that tends to be the most valuable to people and ends up spreading the farthest? Um, I think those are two separate questions a little bit because I can't, you can't control like how it's going to spread. Um, but the content that has done the best, there's like, there's a couple different categories. I think there's the category where like, um, it has to do with like trends that are current on, on social media and on online, you know, like ultra short videos that really catch your attention. Like that sometimes works, sometimes takes off, you know, um, and then there's content that is, I think just like truly valuable. Like if, if it had, I mean, it just has to be valuable to people in that zone, you know, it's not valuable to humanity, but (laughs) it's valuable (laughs) because it relates. Yeah. Cause it like shares like an idea or it shares like a concept or it shares like something like truly valuable. Like I try and pack as much value into uh, my content as possible. So whether or not that's like, just if it's just a picture of the truck, I try to like avoid just posting a picture of the truck being like taco Tuesday, you know, like cool picture. Right. But it's like that one, it doesn't engage people Two, It doesn't really have much value beyond like a pretty picture. So like if I am going to do something like that, I try and pack it with like, Hey, here's the suspension lift I have. Here's the size of tires. I'm running this size wheel spacers to like get to clear this. And like, uh, you know, just try and put like some type amount of value in there. So, content that it's like heavy on value and heavy on um, like educational stuff makes it is been some of my best stuff so like um there's a video of like how i set up the fan in the camper and how like i use it as like an extraction extraction fan instead of like a instead of blowing air in it sucks air out and basic like fluid dynamics or or basic you know you remove something you create a vacuum something has to come in there and everybody pretty much knows that if you were to explain that. But so I, tr- you know, in that video, like I show how it works and like, and give like an example, I could show like paper, like fluttering. So you could like actually see what's happening. Um, that video has millions and millions of, of views on YouTube. And um, I don't know if it's how many, if it's over a million or not on Instagram, but videos like that, like do really well where one it's like engaging and two it's valuable like it it gives somebody someone was like oh that's interesting like oh i learned something here let me share it to a friend they might learn something or something like that you know the video i just did the last post i just did on the um on the floor jack that i'm using in the truck not a mm-hmm. concept i created but just a video about the one that i made i think it has it's been up there for a week and i think just about 20,000 people sent it to somebody else like someone, wow. which is crazy to me. Yeah. Ooh, which is crazy. Cause like, yeah, I have videos, you know, the most views I have on videos, I think is like above 13 million views. Um, and which is not so crazy nowadays. Like you see, you're pretty accustomed to seeing millions of views on stuff, but the metric of seeing like that 20,000 people, like were like, Hey buddy, like check this out. That was like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. So yeah, I think if oh, I cool. like, a, yeah, if I had like a, piece of advice that I could share for like trying to increase your reach with content, it would be focus on um, creating stuff that like is valuable to people and then figure out how to make that engaging, like make it interesting, but focus on trying to share information. 
So when you say engaging, do you mean some sort of call to action inside of the post or something that's shareable to a friend? It's like, hey, I mean, like the one you just talked about before, Jack, like yeah, some nugget of information I mean, that their buddy might want. Yeah, engaging, it could be it could be a number of things, you know, and like there's best, I feel like there's best practices and I'll be the first to say that like there's no secret recipe or else every single one of my videos would be, you know, viral. I don't know, but I just know that following like those best practices is going to put your best foot forward and engaging, you know, whether it's like the tone of your voice, whether it's like the very first shot that, that the very first clip of the video like is moving or shows something interesting or catches your attention, kind of like a hook, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, keep people from just like, Oh, like if you like say, you know, like what if I had a shot of me walking towards the car as the first clip, but I cut it to where like I'm not in frame and half a second goes by and then I walk in frame versus like I cut it to where like my first step is already in frame and like you instantly have movement. Does that make sense? You know, like yeah, yeah totally. it's instantly it's engaging. Pattern interrupt. Like, yeah, like instantly something's happening or instantly right. you're telling them or instantly something unique is happening with the vehicle or whatever it may be. And that that's not yep. necessarily true to like everything, but um, that's just what I think of when I, when I'm trying to make stuff, you'll see a lot of my videos. Yeah. Like if it has to do with the camper, the, the camper door is opening like immediately. Yeah. Like as like yep. the opening thing, like something's happening, you know, like you're like, Oh, <laughs> something interesting, you oh, know, catches your attention. Oh. Right. Yeah. I, but, you know, that's, I love the videos of the the slide or the the swing out Pelican case. Yeah, so cool. And you you you're, you're sponsored by Pelican because of I'm that? on the Pelican. Yeah, I'm on the Pelican Pro team. Working. So like, okay. um, yeah. So Pelican is a brand that I've been a fan of since I was a kid. My grandfather, you know, I mentioned he was in aerospace and stuff. So we yep. had Pelican cases around at some points. You know, I think the earliest one was like a telescope housing case. And so it was just a brand that I had like a so positive association with, and they are just neat. And again, they are kind of like purpose built. They're not aesthetic, uh, based on like, you know, consumer aesthetics. They're just purpose built. They're used by the military. Anyway. So I had Pelican cases from the very beginning and, um, I ended up finding four orange Pelican cases on Craigslist early on. And I used them for storage in the back of the truck and on top of the truck. And, um, you know, as a photographer, I was like trying to take the best photos of I could of them. And I was tagging Pelican. And eventually when I was really small, I think I had like 5,000 or 2,000 followers. Pelican um, professional reached out to me and ended up becoming one of their pro team members. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've worked with Pelican cool. since like uh, since almost the beginning as far as like, you know, they'll send me cases and we share some content and that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. It's, yeah. it's, that's super exciting. So for guys that are interested in going and working with different brands and mm -hmm. getting sponsorships, it seems pretty daunting. I think to most people, what's your yeah. approach to, to reaching out to brands and how do you add value to them? Yeah, I think, I think you bring up like a great, that's like, that is the point right there. It's not, I think, well, one it's, a couple things, okay? And I always feel like I jump and cut myself off, but I'll, I'll try and keep this concise. But a couple couple ways to, to think about it is, um, one, don't think about how can I get something for free? 
Like a lot of people are like, oh man, I'd love to be sponsored by Pelican and get free cases. Like I would love some free cases, right? Well, you might want some free cases, but what does Pelican get out of it? You know? So like, think of it like, how can I provide Pelican with equal value to the cost of those cases that they're going to want to send them to me? So it, that's like one way to approach it, you know, like that's how I approached companies in the very beginning when I had like a very little following, you know? So like if I'm a really small account and I don't have like a lot of reach, I don't necessarily have a lot of eyeballs on something, um, you know, how valuable is it for Pelican to send me a case if only a hundred people are going to see it? So maybe that's not worth it to them, but maybe I'm a fantastic photographer and I can get some really neat photos of it in like a authentic environment that Pelican would normally have to spend thousands of dollars to access or something. And this is just a totally made up scenario. This isn't like how I approach Pelican necessarily, but think of it that way. Maybe you're not a photographer, but maybe you have access to unique environments. Like you work at an airport and you know, all your tools are stored in Pelican cases at an airport. That's like a really uh, unique environment that Pelican might be interested in capturing, you know, something like that. So think, don't think about how can I take, product from some company think about how can i help that company you know how can i provide equal value to that company basically sure. or even more value yeah. and then as you get bigger and bigger as your presence grows online you have an innate value to a company just because you are so large that you might get so many eyeballs on it or because after a you know number of years you're like an established member of like the community per se so what you say what you show kind of has like more power than just uh, than just the fact that you have the product, you know, like people want to use the stuff that you're using. But yeah, that's, that's kind of like how I started in the beginning. And then um, I guess I would temper that with saying like, if you are like thinking of working with companies, getting sponsorships, definitely, definitely only work with companies that you truly believe in, that you truly use. Um, because that's one, you're going to be the most, it's going to be the most valuable to you. And two, it's going to be the most sustainable and authentic and your audience sees that too. So I really tried to stick with that. Um, I really don't have like a ton of sponsorships because of that, because I, it's just not worth it for me or them. And I, and I, I'm, like I said before, I'm like super particular. So like, I don't, I'm one of those people. It's like, no, I just want the specific thing that I want. So I'm super, I feel really fortunate, really uh, thankful to work with like the companies that I do because um, they're all companies that I've been like fans of since childhood or either like just make really great products that I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, that's great. I got to hit the pause button for a sec. My dog is freaking yeah. out. And back in the background, let me just, yeah, one second. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's totally fine. I think my youngest woke up and my wife and 
kids just left it. Same thing. <laughs> They're like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so how, you work with Pelican, uh, Nomad Wheels. Are you working with them yeah. too? Uh-huh. That's cool. And yeah. that's, that's a race line company, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Raceline yeah. is a parent company. But even that company, so like the guy who's the marketing director for that company, he reached out to me like even before he even got the job. He's like, hey, I think I'm going to take over this position and we're going to start up a new brand. And this was like a couple of years ago and like a good year and a half before they had any physical wheels. So it was like, I already have like a friendship with this person. Yeah. So like a lot of the relationships that I have have um come like in an organic way or through like con- organic connections and they just kind of build and build until something kind of happens. But yeah, Leatherman That's tools, cool. fire. Yeah. Bunch of, bunch of like really neat companies that I'm like, I'm like just excited to be a part of like, regardless of if I have, <laughs> if I have their product. <laughs> sure. Just like <laughs> cool to be associated with them. So you've got tire sponsors at Firestone, Leatherman yeah. tools, Nomad, mm-hmm. Pelican, what other mm-hmm. relationships do you have with brands? Uh, I work some with, with Benchmade Knives. Um, and Leatherman Tools and Benchmade Knives are both in the Portland, Oregon area, which I grew up in on and off. And I've had a Leatherman since I was like 11 years old and um, use it all the time. So like things like that, you know, Benchmade has always been like kind of a grail brand of quality knives, also built right where I grew up, spent a lot of time. So things like that. Um, yeah, those companies are kind of the ones that work. Oh, Hest, Hest, um, sleeping pads, like Hest Outdoors makes the sleeping pads I use. That's another company Mm -hmm. that I reached out to, um, when I was building the camper because they made their, their sleeping pads were like the perfect dimensions for the camper. Like they were like per inch, like this is exactly perfect. And so I reached out to them and was like, this was when I was small and I was like, Hey, you know, the pads look like they'd be perfect dimensions um you know i'm also a photographer and i have kids like i i could provide you know images of the kids like in there you know playing i think i'd love to give them a try and so in the beginning it was just them sending me some pads i was gonna do some photos for them that they could use and they had seen my like gallery of images so they kind of knew what i was they were getting and that's how it started that was like all it all it is all it was at the time um but they're just super great great company great people and the product is just like amazing. So like that's kind of like that's kind of the perfect scenario for people if you're looking to work with a company like make sure that it's something that you truly really enjoy, make sure that it's like something really good. Um and the people you're working with is huge too because yeah. that's your that's your contact with them. But yeah, right. it has just turned out to be an amazing partnership and um like as an example, like we use those pads, um, like so much, we use them probably in the house more than we use them in the truck. Like they were in the backyard the other day. They were, we use them as sick beds when we're, when we're sick, like someone's sleeping in the hallway cause they got a stomach bug or anyways, side story, but that's cool. Kind of, kind of just fills in the details a little more about like, uh, work, I guess, working with companies and, and how I approached it in the beginning. Did you ever think that it would spiral into all of this when you first bought the truck? No, um, no, I never thought, I mean, it's kind of like asking someone like who's maybe doing acting. It's like, are you going to be a movie star? Did you think you were going to be a movie star? Not that I'm a movie star, but like, of course, in the back of your mind, you're like, wouldn't that be cool if you were like in some big movie or whatever? 
or on a magazine or something, but it's never like, oh, I, yeah, that's going to happen. Like, it just kind of like, it just has grown on its own. It's interesting. Yeah. Been no yeah. surprise. And simply by just documenting what you love to do and your cool projects. And it's so fun to see all of the, I mean, you've built a, a massive audience in a matter of a couple of years and made, made a name for yourself in the industry and built a really iconic vehicle. And it's, it's super exciting. And I'm sure, I mean, it's just inspiring to me and inspiring to, I'm sure a ton of other people that want to go and do it. And, you know, they, they're starting from zero. And I think you and I share that. It was, it was just, we wanted to go build something and you just figured out how to do it. And, yeah. you know, I think one of the fun parts of kind of growing on social media is building the relationships with people. And that's what it really comes down to. It's just, it's all relationship building and making friends and learning from other people's experiences. And that is an amazing way to kind of expedite your process and, and ramp up yeah. how quickly you can, you can you know, create a, a more impressive vehicle. And I think social media, anybody that is listening that has a cool car and isn't documenting it, just post photos and just start putting your stuff out there and you never know what's going to happen. You know, you'll have, you might have companies reach out to you and say, you know, I want to sponsor your build or ask you to be in one of their YouTube videos. And it just, it's the snowball effect over time. And it just takes being consistent and just going for it. Like not knowing what you're doing and just kind of taking the next step to to go after what you want. I think you've done exactly that and it's working out. What What are your future plans? Like, where do you, do you want to, do you, do you do this full time for a living? Is the YouTube thing enough to, to keep going? Or do you have a day job as well? No. So, um, we, so my wife, I'm married, I've been married for 13 years. I have three kids yeah. and my wife and I both work. So my wife yeah. actually is probably working more than I am. Like if you split up the hours, she might say differently if you asked her, but <laughs> I'm usually with the kids. Um, it's like, it's a pretty good split right now. This year is probably the first year where I'll be doing like a lot more where I'm taking over more of the timeshare basically of rate of, of working versus raise, working on raising the kids and stuff like that. Um, but no, it's not, I guess last year was the first year, like I paid taxes doing this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's building into like a, like a full-time job, like a career, but that's also something I would want to touch on too for other people who might be interested or, you know, kind of thinking about what, like working social media as a job or YouTube and stuff like that. I was super interested, like in way, you know, in the beginning, like, oh man, that guy's going on a trip. I bet it's paid for. Like, I bet he gets that for free or I bet. And I've tried to share that as I've gone along, but um, yeah, I, I guess there's opportunities to get paid, but there's, you just be patient. Like the whole, the whole thing, like as much as social media can just blow up and, and you can just, there's all these opportunities, which is super cool. It's also like a very slow burn. And I think that like, that can be hard to, to accept and, um, and definitely hard to like walk through. So I don't know. I, I definitely didn't set out in the beginning thinking like, oh, this is going to be a career. I was hopeful that like, you know, something interesting would happen, you know, as a photographer, I thought in the beginning was like, oh, I'll just create, I just want to start creating like images that reflect like the type of work I want to do. And it it morphed into other things since then. But um, yeah, just be patient. Know that it's like a slow burn, the the connections, you know, maybe you make a connection like 
two years ago. And finally it like, it turns into something because that person went to different jobs and they know you. And it's very much like a connection based thing. Um, as far as making it a career, um, yeah, the opportunities are out there as you like continue to grow and just continue to like create stuff. So yeah, this year is going to be, going to be pretty exciting. Got some, got some fun stuff coming up. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, and the social, you've got so much for your following I do. And, you know, I, it's hard to make money just doing, just being paid by the social media platforms, you know, getting paid for oh, reels yes. or ads on YouTube. And to be able to make a living doing that, you have to have a massive audience with a ton of views. Yeah. But one thing that you can do is build an audience of people and then start a business and sell your thing to yeah. those, that group of people because they know you, they trust you, they, they've spent a lot of time with you um, mm -hmm. consuming your content. And I think that's, that's the way to do it is if you're going to oh, yeah. you're gonna try and do this as a career, think of it as building an audience, doing the thing you love, and then selling them a product or service. And that's where yeah. it's not ad revenue. That's a, that can be no. a small portion of it, but it's not, yeah. you have to have millions and millions and millions of followers to yeah. actually afford you know, a good life. Just it's probably, I don't even, I haven't done the math, but it's probably like less than 10% of the revenue that you're going to earn, like based on like views and just like purely being paid by the platform. It's all in the brand uh, deals and, and like that kind of stuff is where you're going to make your money. And then, like you said, probably even more than that or equal to that is once you have an audience, you can sell something to them. And I don't mean that as like take advantage of your audience. Think of it more of like providing value to them. Like there's people here who want something that you have and you could share. So like um, I totally need to do more of that. But that is something I've done from the beginning with like um, I made one of my projects is I made like a 270 awning. Mm -hmm. And I, I made like a little digital download where people could cut out one of the complicated parts that like um, was really like tricky to figure out the spacing of some of the holes. So I just made like a very mm -hmm. simple printable paper template that they could draw onto paper. And yeah, that's been selling for a couple of years. It's been awesome. So Ooh, stuff like that. Very cool. For sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and I, I just love that, you know, we can as car enthusiasts, turn our passion into something that's more than just tinkering in a driveway and, and, you know, get to meet really cool people and have cool experiences. And like, I, hopefully one day when my truck is done, I'll be out in California. We can go and go on a yeah. trip. Mine's, mine's very different than yours. Very different. Um, but it would be fun to go and rip around and just have some fun. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the coolest things about social media. And I hope I don't sound like I have it all together or I'm making like tons of money or like got it figured out at all. Like they're like, it's daily that I'm like, man, should I keep doing this? Or like, what am I doing? Or like, what am I going to do next month? Or like, is this working out? You know, like I'm not, I have not arrived at social media, you know, status or whatnot. And, and I think to a point too, like you mentioned a couple of times, you're like, what, well, you know, you've built such a giant following and, but social media is so, uncontrollable at the same time you know like i do my best to like put my best foot forward but it's definitely worth mentioning that like i'm not like some master plans strategist and like i've crafted this great following like some of my stuff just blew up and like the number on my social media page increased you know like it doesn't change who i am it doesn't doesn't make me better than you because my account has more followers and 
And honestly, to, to a lot of companies, the number isn't what they look at either. Like, yeah, it helps to be a big account, but that's not totally what's most valuable. You know, like, are you like a genuine person? Are you like relatable? Are you authentic? Like companies don't want to associate with people who are just like monster accounts, like who are just like total, you know, that's like one of many things that they look for. But so, yeah, don't, I, I, I guess maybe like a side note, but don't get caught up in people's uh, account sizes, you know, like it, it's really has nothing to do other than the number online. My account could be deleted. <laughs> I'd still be the same person, right? You know, yeah. just a number online. So, right. Well, yeah. at the beginning of this, uh, we asked both of our, our audiences yeah. if they had some questions. And so we'll start with yours. Um, okay. And let, me, so, let me see if I can like, pull it up. Yeah. We both put up a, a story and just said, we're doing this podcast. What would people like to ask Mike about Overland Under Budget? And so yeah, I'll answer a couple of those. I only have a few here. One of them is from my wife and I won't read that one, but. Okay, <laughs> um, one of them from the account, The Highwayman. He's got a really cool uh, vintage Ford build that he's doing. I follow this guy too, but he kind of, he asked a question we kind of already, already covered, which was, so maybe you have some more, you want to talk about it, but any advice for emerging creators who really want to make their content a business? Um, I think we kind of covered that just, just recently, but um, yeah, I think my biggest tip would be share, share stuff that's informational and valuable, like educational stuff probably has the easiest uh, reach. Like that's probably the easiest way to increase your reach is sharing something like interesting. And this guy in particular is doing a project that's very specific, very interesting. He's going to have like a lot of very um, complex problems and like intricate things. You know, he's, I think he's doing a full frame swap, body swap, engine swap, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if he's listening, uh, make content around like that really hyper-specific type of stuff, there's going to be people who just eat that up. Cause you can't get that anywhere else. You know, it's like very valuable in that sense. No. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, rather than digging through forums and going through all the chatter, like just make fun content about it and, you know, give as much as you can first. I think where a lot of, I've done this, I've made this mistake a bunch of times where I just ask for things. I want to sell you this, be a part of this. It's like, you got to give people stuff before you're going to give you to return. And that value can be a whole bunch of different things, whether it's informational or you sell a product or a service. Or yeah. Like that. There's a million ways to, to monetize it. And, you know, it, it comes from just posting, being, posting content that is genuine and helpful to people. Yeah. And I've got another question from Wavy Taco. He says, how often do you honestly use your camper per month? That's a good question. And I like to share about this because um, I just want to be like super transparent online. And I think that, that it's important too. So I probably go on a camping trip. Um, well, this year I'm going, on a, I'm going on a camping trip once a month. So like that's just something I'm doing like for uh, my own personal goals and like doing trips and stuff. But I would say on average, I go on like a specific trip maybe once or once every two months, like I'm traveling. Sometimes, you know, it's like I'm on like two trips in one month doing something. Um, 
And then I would say as far as using the camper, actually using the camper, we use it at least once, I would say, so yeah, camping trip, like sleep, like actually on a camping trip, sleeping is what my previous answer is. Like at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, sometimes there's a two month gap before we're actually like on a camping trip. But as far as using the truck, it's a daily driver. And then my kids play in the camper like every day, like literally every day. Um, and then I'm working on the truck and then locally there's a lot of like little trails and lookouts and little off-road spots and we probably are in the truck sitting in the back of the camper the kids are playing around or I'm making hot chocolate or something like that like every week at least sometimes more you know sometimes it's like every couple days in a row we're like out to the local like fire road to look at the view spot or whatnot so it's kind of a mixture like I definitely use the truck as like a mobile playground for the kids. So, more, <laughs> I love it. Like, yeah. you get a lot of use out of it. That's great. a ton of use out of it. Yeah, I use. I mean, I use it daily. Like that's why it's designed the way it is. Like with the totally flat inside. Like yesterday, we were at the trail um, on a bike ride. I had the kids' bikes in the back. I had my bike on, or kids' bikes inside the camper. My bike mounted on the back. And then later on, we all went to my dad's birthday. We all drove in the truck because all the car seats are in there. So it just gets used. It's a daily driver. It's used all the time. That's great. It's not just a parking lot princess. Definitely not. It needs a lot of maintenance stuff taken care of too. All right. Do you have another question? Oh, yeah. Wait, sorry. My screen timed out. Um, Someone wants to know, so send it to Randy asks, what is the best tire for both street, highway, and trail? Um, as I mentioned before, working with Firestone, so I do want to mention Firestone has a great all-terrain tire, but honestly, any of the top, I feel like any of the top brands, the top five brands, all-terrain tires are going to be what you want to look for if you're looking for both street, highway, and trail. The reality is like I drive my truck probably 80% at least 80% is on is on roads, paved roads, you know, just because I drive it every day, like through a grocery store and around town. Um, and I currently have a mud terrain tire on and I used to run all-terrain tires and I thought mud terrain tires, like I love the way they look, but it's just not practical. And once I switched over to mud terrain tires, I was just like, I don't know why I ever ran all-terrain tires. <laughs> modern <laughs> Modern tires are just like really amazing and like, the way that it looks and the way that I feel about my truck when it has mud train tires on it is worth it to me for it being slightly noisier and slightly less performance on the road, but it's got that better, even better performance off road. So yeah, no specific tire, nice. but any, spe- any of the big brands are going to be good. Sure. Uh, one, so, one more funny one. How does he remain mm-hmm. so handsome? <laughs> <laughs> From my wife as well. <laughs> Stempy. I don't know who. It's not a real question, so there's no real answer there. But one, I control. I control when the camera turns on, so that helps a lot. There you go. Nice. Well, where can people check out your stuff? Yeah. So Overland under budget. Um, I have a website. Same YouTube. You know, YouTube.com/slash Overland under budget. Instagram overland under budget. So it's all, it's pretty, no one had that name. So tried to lock that down. Yeah. Right on. Awesome, man. Well, it's been really fun chatting with you and I appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the podcast and kind of share your journey as an enthusiast and how you've been able to take it so far. And, and 
Well, it's been great to meet you and, and connect. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, I, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been fun hanging out and hopefully we can uh, hang out in person sometime. Yeah, definitely. I'd love it. All right, guys. Um, if you guys want to check out more things with the Webster Auto Collective, you can go to WebsterAutoCollective.com. Podcast is obviously behind the build. And then if you want to check out my personal projects, you can go to uh, Instagram and check out Sam Woods. So thanks again, Micah, and we will catch you on this. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. See you later.